Hello, welcome back to the Black Valor Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie and Parks. Every few weeks, we look at some blacks in the military and recount their tales. We were talking last about the 761st Tank Battalion. This will be part two. We had a slight intermission in between with the court-martial of Jackie Robinson, but we're back. First, some administrative information. You can find the site at www.blackvalor.net. Please feel free to email me anytime at blackvalor1010 at gmail.com. You can follow our feed on Twitter at blackvalor1010 or on Facebook where blackvalornet. I promised you before that we were going to have some interviews and I did complete one interview with Master Sergeant Jerome Bazemore. He's an Air Force retiree who just recently retired, I believe the day before I actually did the interview with him. And I will be putting that up shortly once we finish the podcast on the 761st. Sergeant Baysmore served in the Air Force for 22 years, and he has some very good experiences I think you will benefit from listening to. So without further ado, let's get back to the 761st. If you remember, in the last episode, I spoke with you about them getting ready to head overseas. In fact, I think we talked about them heading to Wimborne in Dorset, England. Well, the tank battalion arrived at Wimborne on 8 September 1944. By 7 October, the battalion left for Weymouth, England, and they transited to Omaha Beach on 10 October. They were the first black tankers to enter foreign soil in World War II. Their trip to Omaha Beach didn't last long. As soon as they arrived, they were put to work right away. They headed to the front on 12 October and were assigned to 26th Infantry Division, 12 Corps, 3rd Army on 13 October. At this time, General Patton came to talk to the unit on uh, 2 November and he told them, men, you're the first Negro tanker to ever fight in the American Army. I would never have asked for you if you weren't good. I have nothing but the best in my army. I don't care what color you are, so long as you go up there and kill those Kraut SOBs. Everyone has their eyes on you and is expecting great things from you. Most of all, your race is looking forward to you. Don't let them down, and damn you, don't let me down. And this was their inauguration to General Patton's style and his command to go out and fight as men, not just as black men. Third Army was stalled in front of Metz around this time. This is in September. And if you haven't seen Metz is a big fortress town. It's been around for uh, centuries. It used to be a wall that went completely around the town. Now there's some of it's gone, obviously, with time. But still, in 1944, it made a very formidable defense for the Germans because there are a lot of defensible positions around it. So it really formed a defensive line for the German army at that point to try and keep the Americans and the British and all the other allies out of Germany because Metz is really sensuous and Metz formed that defensive hinge with 22 smaller forts surrounding it. The American 5th, 90th, and 95th Infantry Divisions were slowly working their way around to surround Metz so they could attack from all sides. So the 761st was going to join and be a part of this. The battalion's first major task in the war 
was to support the 26th Division as they moved to capture Moinvik and Vic Sursail. Captain Dave Williams II of Able Company, who was actually a Pittsburgher, which I repeat just because I am a Pittsburgher as well, but he commanded the first group from the 761st to engage the enemy. Uh, Joe Cahill's platoon led the charge with Staff Sergeant Reuben Rivers in the lead tank. And I believe I mentioned him briefly, and I will talk about him more in our very last episode on the 761st, which will be in two weeks. So they captured Moinvik and Bezenge, La Petite, and Hill 253. The last one didn't have a real sexy name. Surprisingly, though, the first casualty was Private Clifford C. Adams of Waco, Texas. He was actually part of the medical detachment, but he was hit by an exploding shell, so none of the tankers formed the first casualties. He was actually aiding another tanker, uh, Corporal Floyd Humphrey, and Humphrey survived, but unfortunately, Private Adams didn't. When uh, Stassar Rivers came upon a roadblock he actually dismounted the tank to clear it he was in the lead tank there were more tanks behind him the germans had erected a barrier in front so he got out of his tank took a chain connected it to the obstruction and to his tank and this was all while the germans were zeroing in on him with heavy artillery mortar fire and of course machine guns and he just Walked out there, did what he had to do to clear the obstruction, and he wound up earning the Silver Star. Uh, Colonel Bates, who led the battalion, was actually badly wounded early on in the engagement. There was a group of German soldiers who snuck behind the American lines, and he was standing on top of his jeep just uh, looking how the battle was going, sending out orders. When these Germans surprised him, they shot him, his guard or his, his driver so he was badly injured. And this set off a uh, couple interesting things. First, the second in command at the time of the 761st was uh, Major Wingo. Now, Major Wingo had mentioned back in the States that he was not a fan of black serving in the military. In fact, he said that what in the world is the War Department thinking about these folks aren't fit for combat. So someone overheard him saying this while they were still stateside. When Colonel Bates got hit, they brought up Major Wingo. He immediately went to the front. And shortly after he drove to the front, they saw him heading in the opposite direction. He was actually running away. And he never came back. The doctor just classed it as battle fatigue, even though it was the first battle for the unit. And he somehow got away with that, but he never returned to the 761st. And after that incident, anyone who would uh, intimate any kind of cowardice, they would call it doing a wingo. So the one person that thought that the blacks couldn't fight, couldn't fight himself. Very interesting. Uh, the saddest event of those first engagements was when Sergeant Harvey Woodard's entire crew died mysteriously in their tank. It was funny because some Signal Corps photographers had just gone through the area where they were staging before the battle and he had taken pictures of Sergeant Woodard and his whole crew. Well, they found the whole crew inside their tank did, but they didn't have any visible wounds. 
and they were sitting in their positions within the tank it didn't seem as if there were any wounds that would have killed them so it's just assumed that there was a concussion or maybe an 88 millimeter shell had exploded over top of the tank and the concussion just killed them or maybe rupturing things inside but they were sitting peacefully in there without any breaks of skin or anything so the next objective for the black panthers was the town of moorville a company b made it into the town first and they were peppered with anti-tank and machine gun fire from the upper story windows and cellars the germans would frequently do that go inside the homes of the individuals and set up traps for the allies once they came through uh, so company b were going through the town making their way carefully and two-thirds of the way through the town sergeant roy king's tank was hit and immobilized well sergeant king jumped out of the top of the turret and he was killed instantly by machine gun fire from the germans in the uh, roofs above them but the rest of the crew made it out with their weapons some using the emergency hatch and others uh, went out the top of the tank but on the opposite side away from where the germans were at technician fifth grade james whitby and private john mcneil started shooting at the germans in the windows or manning the anti-tank weapons that they had taken out uh, and they forced the germans to lower their heads before Whitby actually went back into the tank and he started using the 30 caliber machine gun to take out the enemy machine gun nests and the Panzerfaust teams those are like the bazooka teams that the Germans had and McNeil manned the 30 caliber gun from underneath the tank they remained in that position for three hours fighting off the Germans uh, their actions bought them time for the infantry to come up and actually clear the buildings eventually allowing the rest of Company B's tanks to pass through the town. Lieutenant Charles Gates, also known as Pop Gates, he was in command of the 105mm assault gun platoon. So those were assault guns on a tank chassis and they would sit a little bit farther back and provide supporting fire from uh, surrounding hills. But he fired an indirect mission on a column of enemy troops and they destroyed 25 to 30 vehicles and roughly 200 Germans near Ham Pont. So their fire was dead on and took off these Germans that were forming up to counterattack. They were reinforcements for the Germans that were fighting in Moorville and this just wiped out any chance those Germans had in Moorville of getting any more assistance. At the end of the battle, the battalion tallied one officer and nine enlisted men killed and 20 enlisted men wounded in action. Seven tanks were knocked out, but four were able to be returned to duty. Another sad note from this initial engagement of the 761st was the death of First Sergeant Sam Turley, which deeply affected the battalion. He was the most loved First Sergeant and was not meant to be in the tank on that day of the battle and if you're not familiar first sergeants are generally the people who are kind of the mothers of any battalion they take care of everyone make sure everyone's able to do their job well the driver for one of the tanks was really frightened to go in a battle so sergeant turley decided he would go in his place and he died Standing behind a ditch, straight up with a machine gun, ammo belt around his neck, 
shooting at the enemy to cover his men who were moving away from a line of disabled tanks. The Germans had knocked out a front tank, knocked out a rear, and then were picking off the other tanks. So the men got out of the tanks, and Sergeant Turley was just providing cover fire. So they took Morville, and uh, all the companies of the 761st merged to spearhead an assault through the forest to Caulking. The first were attached to the 104th Regiment, and they helped stage a counterattack on the village of Wyss. So between 8 to 25 November, the 761st participated in the capture of 15 villages or staging areas before they were pushed back at Hanskirch. They really started out fighting from around that 12th of October, and it continued on with no break. But when the American forces got pushed back a bit at Hanskirch, they regrouped, and the 761st then helped spearhead the four forces, and they took on the Tsar Union, and that fell on 2 December, before they crossed into Germany on 14 December, where they had a short respite just to conduct maintenance and refitting of their tanks. That was around 15 to 19 December. Then they got back to the battles. The week before Christmas, 1944, the battalion crossed the Maginot Line with Third Army passing Strasbourg. During this time, the 761st was being parceled out to different units, and they were going forward and back across the lines of the uh, countries there. But once in Germany, the 761st supported the 345th Infantry Regiment of the 87th Division, and they were assisting in the capture of Rondeau and Nembermont. This was in Belgium on uh, 31 December. Further fighting had positioned the Black Panthers to close the Marsh Bastogne Road, which was the main route for enemy supplies and reinforcements coming in. This was during the famed Battle of the Bulge. So six days after the Allies broke the encirclement of Bastogne, the Black Panthers were reduced to only 20 operational M4 tanks. Their participation really hasn't been mentioned in the history books, but they were present during the Battle of the Bulge, and they helped support the paratroopers that went in to relieve the encircled battalions. So they fought alongside the 17th Airborne Division, and they directed their fire and their actions towards Hufalese. Then the 17th and the 761st managed to force the enemy to retreat roughly 43 kilometers, and that's to Watermall, Espelis, and Tommen, Belgium. After fighting back and forth, they were crossing the German-Belgium border back and forth. On uh, 3 February 1945, the battalion bivouacked at Jabik, Holland. There they were assigned to the 95th Division, 14 Corps, then reassigned to the 79th Division, 9th Army. The tankers, again, as you can see, were just really parceled out. They were the heavy hitters that would go where they were needed most, uh, firefighters, basically. February, though, proved to be one of the busiest months for the 761st. In 50 days, the battalion participated in engagements under the command of four divisions, which belonged to three different armies. 
One good note for them, though, was that Colonel Bates actually returned to the 761st on 17 February after he had been gone three months because of his injuries he received back in November. He could have chosen any assignment he wanted at that point. He approved himself in battle. They gave him his options, but he insisted on returning to lead the Black Panthers. There was no other unit he wanted to serve with. On 3 March, the Black Panthers entered Germany for the third time at Schwanenberg. Here they were doing mop-up for resistance fighters, uh, Germans who had been left behind but still fighting against the Americans, but not in any real coordinated fashion. They were clearing these pockets of resistance out. And they captured Germans retreating from the 2nd Armored Division along the Rohr River. Another's orders change saw the 761st assigned to the 103rd Infantry Division, 7th Army, and the battalion traveled through Luxembourg and France before they set up shop in Alsace-Lorraine. Here, Charlie Company led one of the wings of U.S. forces in an attack on Zutzendorf. Now this marked the first time since the company had entered combat that they had almost a full complement of replacements of men and tanks. As I mentioned before, they were down at one point to only 20 tanks, uh, the M4s, the heavier ones. But it was slow for them to get replacements because with the black units, they could only get so many people because there were only so many blacks serving in the European theater at the time or to bring them over from the States. And they didn't have the training that uh, the original tankers had because they had an extended period in the States. So they got refilled and replenished and they were ready to take the lead. For another brief moment, the 761st combined as part of Task Force Rhine on 21 March to help capture Reisdorf and the surrounding area. After Reisdorf was pacified, the battalion then split again to support different thrusts towards Birkenhart in the north and Bolenborn in the south. And this wasn't just them this time. They were splitting all their forces to try and go around and combine on the other end by taking out these two strategic towns. Which was, uh, There's very few roads through that area. And so these towns sat along those main roads. It's a lot easier to sometimes disperse your forces when the roads are narrow and small like they are in those regions in um, Europe and then bring them back together just in time for the major battles so they can move faster instead of everyone clogging up one road. Uh, after taking Ballenborn, the tankers who were part of that thrust rejoined with the rest of the column that was already moving on Birkenhart and their target was Sills. So this marked one of the rare occasions where the tankers continued fighting into the night. Normally, the tankers would stop at night and bivouac, repair their machines, you know, try and rest up for the next day. But this was the closest push to Germany, uh, the vaunted Siegfried line, where the Germans had all their defenses focused because if you're able to get through the Siegfried line, then all of Germany is going to be open to you. The resistance they felt was so great, they thought that it was important that they fight continuously instead of giving the Germans some respite so they can build up their defenses. So the tanks traveled without headlights, and the only illumination they had were from intermittent flares that would be fired up 
and they had to pick their way through enemy lines, watching for mines, watching for uh, shell holes. It's just a very tense time for the battalion. Sergeant Lattimore found a German column that was towing guns and artillery, and he caught them by surprise as they were going to try and shore up their area. And he virtually eliminated that entire force. Well, it wasn't just him. It was him and another lead tank. So he was just in behind. And they took out almost that entire column, which prevented them from having time to set up their mortars and set up their uh, artillery to attack the Americans. On 23 March, task force succeeded in driving the Germans from Klingenmunster, and they captured a large number of enemy soldiers. At this point, the battalion was stopped while the 14th Armored Division passed unmolested through the hole made by the 761st to cross the Rhine into the heartland of Germany. So if you can imagine, a 761st is there out front fighting hard, fighting through the night to clear out these pockets of resistance to break through the Siegfried line. And then they're stopped and another division gets to drive through the hole that they just made. In the battle to open Germany to the Allied forces, the 761st had cleared seven towns. They destroyed over 400 vehicles, 80 heavy weapons, and they inflicted over 4,000 German casualties from 14 different German divisions. They were quite busy there. At this point, the battalion rejoined Patton's 3rd Army, and they crossed into Germany the last week of March and reached Frankfurt, Germany on 1 April. By most accounts, the most memorable action the tankers experienced at this time was on the trip from Ensheim when one of the tankers from Abel Company got trapped in mud. At this point, the Germans were really in retreat. They were going back to Germany or they were trying to turn themselves in to the uh, Americans. So there wasn't that much resistance once they got through that Siegfried line. After a short maintenance and training period to bring those green replacements up to speed, the Black Panthers joined the 71st Division to help circle the 6th SS Mountain Division Nord at Leisenwald, Waldenburg, and Udlinger. Now, the 6th SS troopers were very formidable. They were not like the typical German soldier. They were fanatical. They believed with deep passion what they were doing and they literally would fight to the death. And in fact, uh, they defeated the 6th SS around 4 April, and they took very few survivors. There were a few who were captured, but most of the 6th SS men were killed. After that, the Black Panthers headed towards Fulda and Meiningen on mop-up duty. They were just traveling through Germany. Any resistance that the uh, infantry found or that they saw, they would just take them out and continue moving. On May 2nd, Abel Company were the first Americans to reach the Inn River, which separated Germany and Austria. They were told to hold there, and then two days later, Charlie Company came up and crossed the river. Once they got across the river supporting the infantry, they helped take out an enemy machine gun nest that was harassing the, the infantry, and they drove up on that location when they found this camp. Once they busted through the camp, 
all these people started streaming out. And this was their first indication that something really was wrong with what the Germans were doing in these camps. The Americans had found a few before. Uh, what they found was one of the branch or work camps that was a subsidiary of the Mathausen concentration camp. People there, it wasn't an extermination camp, but the people there were near death in many cases, scrambling for food, which they then had to stop feeding them. Uh, it was just something that's very memorable. And some of the other uh, tank battalion or tankers in the battalion started finding these camps as well spread throughout the area. On 4 May 1945, the tankers moved into Austria and then they received their final orders. The battalion was ordered to advance to the Enns River and then once there they were to wait for the Russians. So they went up to Steyr and they waited there at the river. While there, they received a stream of German soldiers who they just directed to head back to the 71st Division, Infantry Division that was behind them. And the 71st later claimed that they captured 80,000 prisoners. And these were the men that were streaming across the Enns River past the 761st that they were told to go to the rear. So they spent a few days in Steyr and Leonard Smith had the pleasure of meeting a Russian female tanker who crossed the river a few days later. And this is when the surrender papers were signed around the same time, 6 May 1945. So the war for the 761st was over. They fought continuously for 183 days, covered 2,000 miles through France, Belgium, Luxembourg, Holland, Germany, and Austria. So that is a brief synopsis of the engagements and the actions that the 761st experienced while they were there in Germany fighting. For the last part of this series, there will be one more. I will highlight some of the events of the individuals who were part of the 761st and relate some of their experiences. Then after that, I will have the interview and there's one other podcast I'm working on that I think you all will enjoy. So my sources for this, again, were Brothers in Arms, The Epic Story of the 761st Tank Battalion by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Patton's Panthers, The African-American 761st Tank Battalion in World War II by Charles W. Sasser, Come Out Fighting, The Epic Tale of the 761st Tank Battalion, 1942-1945 by Tresvant W. Anderson, and fact sheet on 761st Tank Battalion from the Army History website. Please, if you like the podcast, come out and support us on the website by providing topics that you would like to hear cover. Send me emails or questions or things that you are interested in about black military history. I'm always open for more suggestions for topics. So you can go to www.blackvalor.net or send an email to blackvalor1010 at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter or Facebook, Black Valor. See you in a couple weeks.